for Manchester Bidwell Corporation in Pittsburgh. I'm Jonathan Zito, and this is In Earnest. The dignity of employment can be elusive. We live in a time where massive swaths of the population find themselves without the means or opportunities to secure anything close to family-sustaining wages, never mind meaningful or fulfilling work. There becomes this sort of oppressive cycle where the lack of resources generates a sense of desperation for literally any job, but then the risk of losing even a paltry source of income keeps people from taking any kind of uncertain step towards something better. And then that desperation can turn into despair very quickly. And so even if an opportunity does come by, people don't have the emotional, social, or relational stability to take action. When we talk about barriers to human flourishing, I'd say this is probably one of the biggest ones. And then think of how much bigger that barrier becomes when it's a generational cycle. The way we face this crisis is through our work in Bidwell Training Center. Bidwell offers career training to adult students in culinary arts, chemical laboratory technician, horticulture technology, medical assistant, medical coder biller, and pharmacy technician. These programs reflect the current job market of the Pittsburgh region, and that's an important point. It's been over 50 years of career training that Bidwell has undertaken, and in that time period, the specific training programs have continuously changed and evolved to match up with the jobs that are actually available to our graduates. This is a cornerstone of Bidwell's philosophy, because if we train you for jobs that don't exist in our region, how are we actually helping you? I sat down with Bidwell's executive director, Dr. Kim Rasson, not only to talk through the programming and vision for Bidwell, but to find out about her personal journey through her career and the impact of transformational education. So when you think back, do you remember like a formative moment or experience where the idea of being an educator suddenly clicked for you? It was my, I've given this a lot of thought over the years too. It was my first experience with my mom as a young person being the teen representative Mm. on the, on the community health clinics board. How old were you? you think Uh, I was probably in maybe 11th grade, 11th or 12th grade. And I remember going to the meetings and listening and watching, and I thought, this is really cool stuff. Mm. And my mom was uh, uh, a manager at the Private Industry Industry Council, which was previously JTPA, Mm. the Job Training Partnership Act. And every day after school, I'd go down to her office, and I'd have a cup of coffee and sit there and talk to her and watch her work. And I just thought, this is the coolest stuff. Because she was so passionate about her work, watching people turn their lives around that had either no opportunity to work, couldn't go to school. And the most interesting thing about it is that the training that they provided were like schools like Bidwell. Mm. So they had partnerships like industry partners industry yeah, partners yeah. and training partners and so when i think back on it my sister and i joke my mom passed away very young um from cancer she was only 52 mm. and my sister's like you're finishing her work wow you're finishing the work she never got to finish and it when i took this job especially is mm. when it really resonated yeah. with me where did where did you go to college? Uh, Point Park. Point Park. Okay. Yeah, I've I've got my undergraduate degree in communications. Um, I stayed for my master's in curriculum and instruction, with a uh, specialization in adult learning, 
and then my uh, doctorate degrees in organizational leadership. Did you do those pretty much sequentially, kind of one, two, three? I did. Yeah. Once I started, I never stopped. What did you What did you imagine you would be doing with that track? Because that's a pretty intense educational track to get on. Yeah. Did you have a kind of vision of what, what you would be doing with that? I did not, but I had a job mm. that led me to being able to leverage that opportunity of going to school. When I, as I've spoken about before, I am the textbook non-traditional student. Um, graduated from high school, went straight to the workforce. Mm. Worked what, in, what did you do initially after high school? I got a job at Carnegie Mellon in the accounting department. Okay. And I was there for a number of years at Carnegie Mellon and I popped around from one department mm. to another, um, academic computing. It, it wasn't until I got a job with the associate provost for special projects. And I worked in her office and that was part of the teaching and learning center at the time. And I was like a sponge. I loved, I loved everything about this woman's office, mm. the books, all the like file cabinets of file cabinets of research. And I just loved everything I read. And I ran across the person who I worked with and her name's Dr. Marsha Ratcher, who looked at me one day and said, I don't know why you're not in school. You are mm. so talented. You have so you had you had a no college education, but you were working in one of the largest colleges in mm -hmm. the region. That's and, really interesting. And I I was just fascinated. Mm. The love I just had a I think a natural love of learning, but it never ever dawned on me that I should be the one to go to school. Mm. And it wasn't until I started working uh, with her. And um, it was probably a number of years after I left Carnegie Mellon before I went um, to uh, four systems. And then she called me, she was working for education management. And that was the corporate or parent company of the art institutes. And at the time there were five or six art institutes right. across the United States. And um, she called me from our working relationship at Carnegie Mellon and said, we're starting this new online division. I think you'd be a great fit for the team. And i that's when I joined working with her. And that's where it all kind of took off. Mm. Um, I had an opportunity for tu uh, tuition grants, free tuition if you went to the art institute. So I studied residential and interior design for a while before mm -hmm. I went to Point Park. Okay. And then um, once I got in it, I like just really got in it. Mm. So, so, so then once you were in, then you just kind of stuck with that, that track. Yeah, because my jobs, I had to write a lot for my jobs. Mm. So the communication degree was a natural fit. Right. So then, um, as we started to grow this online division, I got more involved with curriculum. So that's when I got my master's mm. in curriculum and instruction. So you were, were you always working while you were in school too. So I worked. You didn't have that experience of like kind of ivory tower. No. And then going into it. Nope. To, I started, okay. I'd have to do the math, but I think I was 32. Okay. When I started my first class. As, a, as an undergrad. As an undergrad. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. And I worked full time. And I would say to the, I would say to students when I in, 
talking with students mm-hmm. here. Listen, I know what it feels like to be exhausted, mm-hmm. driving home at 10 o'clock at night, literally crying right. because I got to get up at six to go to work the next <sighs> morning. You look at your checking account. Right. You got $7 and you got five days to a payday mm. and you just push through it. Right. But, you know, I always say to students, I can't want it more than you do. Right. And I wanted it. Right. And I wasn't going to let this, you know, nothing stop mm. me. And I had a, 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 a colleague of mine. Uh, we were at the Art Institute of Phoenix at the time. We were having dinner and he was asking me about it. And I said, yeah, you know, he's like, are you still taking classes? I said, yeah. And he looked at me and he said, listen, I want you to remember something. You are going to pass time, whether you're in school or not. If you just take one class, you're passing that same amount of time. And in the end, you're going to have something Hmm. rather than just a bunch of past time. Right, Right. And I never stopped. I took at least one class and I always took like one a semester mm. or two a semester okay. the whole entire time through my undergraduate through my doctoral degree when one finished I was Under enrolled and ready to right. go to the other right. yeah and and so I'm curious then because like now you are in Bidwell which is such a different version of education where mm-hmm. it really is much shorter time with the objective of getting to work. Were there things that you were experiencing working at Carnegie and then also as an older adult student who maybe had a little bit more real world experience, Mm -hmm. were there things you were observing that you think about now in terms of that sort of more um, connected to reality version of education that are applicable to what you're doing now? Absolutely. there are theories of learning, like, uh, you know, pedagogy for young children, K through 12. Andragogy is the model for adult learning. And the, and the number one tenant that underpins that educational theory is that adult learners have to make direct connections between what they're learning and the, re- and the value of why they're learning it, or it's just time wasted mm. to them. The learning... It's, it's, it's like I could be doing something else. Right. So every time we design an activity, a module, you have to be able to make those connections to what they're studying in the direct world application mm. to that. And I had that experience um, in my uh, graduate program at Point Park, which was interesting because it was adult studies, right? Every... Practically every one of my projects that I did in that master's program were projects that I was working on at work Mm. that I could make connections that I could use as the basis for my work. And that's that was incredibly helpful. Mm. So as somebody who now has has kind of achieved a lot of educational achievements in terms Mm -hmm. of like degrees, is it is it weird to be working somewhere that isn't necessarily a degree granting institution or do you see it as kind of two different goals with their own sort of value? Right. I, I, I look at it as two different, there's different goals. And I, and I always say to students when they come here, you don't necessarily have to have a plan, Mm. 
right? Mine unfolded very organically. I did not set out to do this. It just happened that way for me. And I was learning as I was pursuing these classes what I liked, how it fit into my life, and the value proposition of getting this because I wanted to be able to give back and help students the way I was helped when I was young. And I needed these credentials to get those jobs to be able to do that. Right. So that was my motivator. Right. But I always say to students here, this could be your starting point or this could be your end point. It all depends on what you want to do, where you are with your life, and there's no right or wrong. Mm. If you start in as a medical assistant and you get your diploma and you think, hey, this is pretty cool. I want to go to nursing school. And then maybe you go to nursing school and you're like, hmm, I want to be a physician assistant. Mm. I've seen students come into Votech, into LPM programs that are now physician assistants. Mm. Um, but it's okay if you come in and you're a medical assistant and you're at a doctor's office and you're like, I love this. This is cool. This is where, you know, it's right. okay. And I and it's funny because I, I talk to my nieces and nephews the same way. You know, I have a niece who's a nurse. I want to be a nurse practitioner but that didn't really work. It, it, I didn't like the program. I said, you have to take a second and think about what you want for yourself. And it's okay right, right. if you don't want to do that. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, different different goals for different phases of your life. Right. You know? Right. So let's talk a little bit about workforce development. Mm -hmm. What does that concept mean to you when you think about it in kind of the abstract? It, it That's a... That's like one of those terms that are used like a giant umbrella, mm -hmm. like soft skills. Mm. What is What are soft skills, right? That's like everybody wants to talk about workforce development in a way that um, fits into a certain bucket, right? Mm. Like for us, it's having established relationships with employer partners that have a very specific need. Do you, do you see us as serving the employer in that in that way? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and when I think of workforce development, I'm thinking of identifying people with skills and talent that will be able to once they leave our program, realize their own full potential as a contributing member of a team with one of our employer partners. Mm. That's how I think of it. Right. That's why there's so much emphasis put on things outside of just technical skills. And when we talk in our in our meetings and we run through students in so, with respect to student support, we look at the the social needs, the technical needs, the academic tutoring needs, all of that because mm. that's what developing the person is about right and i know we you and i have talked about that a bit too about how different that is as opposed to most university models mm -hmm. which have a little bit more of a sort of uh industrial revolution mindset of just producing units of productivity exactly and and it's so different to, to think about yourself as a as a human helping another human mm -hmm. to be their best selves, the best contributing member of their family or their mm -hmm. community or whatever that that looks like. Um, when you think about, you know, so now you, you came to Bidwell in 2019, is that right? Uh, December of 2018. 18, okay. Yeah. So 
over these past few years, are there are there some moments that come to mind when you think about what makes what we're doing here so different than what you experience on campus at a college? Yes. In relationships with those students. And I had one of those aha moments right before I came into this meeting. Mm. We're running through students. It's in our, our weekly enrollment management meeting. And we were talking with our career services officer. And he was discussing a particularly challenging situation he had with a student who's still unsure about what type of job they want within the field of horticulture. Mm. And I thought, how could you be this far through the program and still not have an idea of what you want to do? Because you enrolled in the program. Right. There was intention. So what is it that's that you're not able to identify what mm. that that Right, because it's not like we're offering like a humanities right? degree where it's, you might yeah, it's very targeted from the very beginning. Very targeted. Yeah. And that's when I was I, I sat down and I thought, you know, we need as part of our orientation a seminar day with the program director and career services to really sit down and work with individual students about why they're here. Mm. What about it interested you enough to bring you to our doors, enroll in the program, and help them figure it out? And that's the difference between us and just general training programs mm. is because we want to make sure we have the absolute best fit when a student graduates and that they're learning and specializing in things that they truly are going, are interested in and will be successful in. Right, right. And it, it really made me think about that. And that those are the types of conversations that uh, set the programming and how we offer the programming and how we present the programming to prospective students. And that's so different, too, because you just think in most, I know my college experience, most of the effort effort and emphasis was in the classroom mm -hmm. and the kind of what you did afterward was like, I don't know, figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it was kind of put on the student to just like figure it out on their own. Yeah. And, and that's like, you know, that's, that's so much strain to put on somebody who doesn't have the connections, doesn't have the, the life experience necessarily right. to even know what they're talking about when they say, I want to be right. X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And I think it's really important to help students understand what motivates them. So you came here, you're enrolled in the program, we're going to get to, we're going to figure this out. Mm -hmm. And that's just like, as a team, that's what we all looked at each other and thought, wow, there's an opportunity to do some um, self-reflection and some exploration with students about their goals so that they Feel, and this is going to go back to this maps back to my comment about making the connections of why they're here every day, right? So if you really have a goal and you understand why you're here, getting here every day, the attendance policies, the academic work, all of that stuff is going to work better for you if we can figure out that primary overarching goal for why you're yeah. here. Because all that matters. Right. And, and, it, and it really speaks to the importance of having the ultimate goal in mind at the beginning. Right. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, talk to me a little bit about these employer partnerships and kind of 
what it looks like to manage those because I can have to imagine there's shared interests but also different priorities yes as a for-profit employer yeah and a non-profit career training school a absolutely there's a lot of commonalities right we want to get people into jobs they need people mm -hmm. but our career services, our school, we're advocates for our students. Right. We will make sure that they're going to the best fit for their personality. Some people like a real large corporation. Some people like smaller. Some people want different environments. Um, they have different needs, whether they're in the city or in the suburbs or mm -hmm. where they're located. And our employers need people. But they're not going to be good employees if they're not placed in a situation that's a good fit for them mm -hmm. all the way around. Um, that's why it's important for us to have many, many employer partners. I don't like to just teach to or work with or accommodate one type of employer because there's lots of different students and there's lots of different employers mm -hmm. and they, they all have different needs. So it, for example, we have, you know, UPMC as a major health uh, service provider in our area. We have Allegheny Health Network. But there's still lots of other smaller medical offices and things that have needs too. So we want to make sure that there are students. Right. Like the training is appropriate for all different types of businesses. Yeah, right. And then what does it look like kind of crafting curriculum to make sure that it's relevant on the job market. Yeah. What, what is that? Pro how often is that evaluated? What does that process look like? Yeah. So generally, uh, programs go under review every three to five years, mm -hmm. because when you're building a program, you build a program and you think like, what does the job market look like? Where are the trends? What are we forecasting? Mm -hmm. So since I've been at Bidwell, um, since December of 2018, every program, that we offer has gone under revision mm. and revisement. So, and that always starts with an employer summit mm -hmm. with our current employer partners. Then we have conversations with prospective employer partners. And then we take all that feedback and, and look at that and um, basically analyze our, our learning objectives to see where there are opportunities. For example, in our chemical laboratory program. We removed some classes that were no longer necessary, mm. but we added three new classes that really helped support um, different types of chemical companies. So, so that's coming from those employer conversations. That, it is. Right. It is. So they're very excited about that because mm. now we're producing graduates that um, are able to work in a variety of fields within the chemical industry, just mm. as opposed to we were a little more narrowly focused. Yeah. So, so yeah, all we always get, it's, I refer to our curriculum as being employer driven because their needs are what informs the, the design mm. of the mm -hmm. curriculum. How do you see Bidwell's relationship to other versions of career training? Do you, do you really see us kind of in a category all by ourselves, Or how do you think about our relationship with other institutions? You know, that's interesting because on the face, on the surface, um, we operate very similarly, mm -hmm. right? Like with the, with the general academic operations. 
But when you look at the day-to-day uh, delivery of the programs and the interaction and the engagement that we have with our students, we are very, very different. There's a lot more emphasis put on helping students learn how to problem solve through mm. things, real life situations that may um, prevent them from being successful in the workplace. And, and other career schools that I've had experience with have some things in place, but not at the uh, level that we do, not mm. to, the, to the degree we do. Mm. It, where do you think, where does it, the ball get dropped usually in other institutions that, that you notice? Um, the huge differentiator is that because we don't participate in federal financial aid funding mm. and the rules that dictate how students have to progress through programs gives us a little more time to work with students as opposed to you don't have to cut, give them a hard cut off exactly like, the money's gone you're gone that's so, exactly that, right that's right 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 yeah that, that that really i think speaks to sort of again back to the that sort of like the humanity of what we're trying to do that mm -hmm. we really are uh trying to create flourishing human beings mm -hmm. and, and and that you have to kind of approach them that way i'm wondering how different was it for you personally coming to bidwell and kind of acclimating to that version, what? How much of it was you showed up, and wow, this is really different. And how much of it was, I have, kind of a dream of what I wish education could be, and now I've got the reins, and I'm going to do it. That this, that's a really interesting question because I felt like almost when I got here, I understood the model, mm. but I didn't understand the model because mm. I came from a model that was so driven by very, very highly regulated mm. um, that Title IV federal financial aid model. Right. It, it, I almost had to deprogram my thinking mm. to be able to uh, leverage the opportunity that I had here. Because mm. so, it's so much more open. Yes. Right, right. It, I have to honestly say it, it took a good year mm. just to get my head wrapped around that. And I just told Kevin Jenkins, mm. our president and CEO, that it took me every bit of three years to finally really do like make some significant um, headway forward with training, the, mm. the, the, the type of training the that we did. Training. Like it, mm. it just uh, looking at the program, understanding the student profile, um, understanding, looking for opportunity within that, and and all of the grant work that we've done through COVID and has that is all that was all real new to me. Mm, mm -hmm. So it it was it's been a learning process, and yeah. I feel like I'm finally able to really you know think of it through a I'm seeing it through a different lens. Mm. You know that makes me wonder too about the momentum of an institution. And because uh, I, I hear the conversation, I have the conversation with friends and peers who are like, you know, I went to college. I, I don't know if it was if it really gave me most of what I needed. Mm -hmm. A lot of that I had to kind of scrap together myself. Wouldn't it be great if college could be X, Y or Z? Mm -hmm. But the the institutional momentum to kind of do things a certain way seems so overpowering that mm -hmm. even somebody like yourself, who is highly educated, very competent, very capable 
it took that long to kind of shake off it did. that institutional sort of momentum and to yes. do something new. Yes. And it makes me wonder, like, what what are the lessons at Bidwell that could be applicable and, and something that could actually be implemented more broadly outside of our, our specific, you know, career yeah. school? I just think the way we're designed, um, we are we are able to respond so much more quickly mm. to employer requests and needs. Right. And it's just uh, in the other traditional post-secondary education models and systems, it's just you just don't you're not you're not that nimble. You've mm. got to go through committees. And inter- the internal review, the internal bureaucracy is what mm. really slows you down. Mm. Did you did you find yourself running up against that with some frustration before you were at Bidwell? Mm-hmm. In, in both, was it was it? Did you see it as a student and also as an employee? Yeah, I could. Uh, the thing that I really noticed is when I was working for really large institutions, and I was working as an assistant director of curriculum, mm. or I'm sorry, assistant dean of curriculum. And I was just pumping out, you know, program revision and course revision after course revision. I literally had a spreadsheet of 400 courses that I had under revision in these programs at any one time. Wow. And it was really a machine. There weren't any, you you couldn't connect students to it. This Mm. is so different. The, the, The engagement and just seeing how your contributions in your job every day really impact people's lives mm. are that's the most um, that's the, that's one of the biggest differentiators. And I think too, like in a university model, so many of the students just kind of look at the school and like, well, I guess I could just stay here forever. I'll mm-hmm. just become a professor, mm-hmm. and then just kind of stay at my and there's. It, it seems like they're they're starting to be diminishing returns on that though mm-hmm. because you one professor has whatever twelve students they can't all become professors there right. aren't, aren't enough jobs like that right. and the college is again though because it's not starting with that end goal of employment in mind mm-hmm. it's kind of like well sorry yeah. yeah you know the and I think that what I've always appreciated about what Bidwell does is really think like, what are we, what are we even doing here? Like, yeah. why are we doing this? Yeah. It's, this isn't personal edification. It's not like, yeah, I'm kind of bored. I guess I'll go to school. Yeah. It really has that, that goal in mind. I've been thinking a lot about this part of what Kim and I talked about and the idea of keeping the end in mind at the beginning that kind of emerged from this discussion. And I just want to pause for a minute and really nail that point down. I think it's impossible to overstate the importance of the clear goal Bidwell has set out for itself and its students. There can be a kind of aimlessness in a career. I know I've suffered that in my past too, and I think that aimlessness can overtake an institution as well. And then suddenly everyone looks up 5, 10, 50 years later, and there's this weird question of, what is this? What are we doing? How will we know we've done it? And I think that's relevant for individuals, organizations, schools, businesses, relationships. It's a healthy reminder to me that the storybook happily ever after approach to life can sometimes trick us into thinking that we don't need to pay attention, make decisions, maintain and cultivate our lives, our friendships, or our professions. So now that you've been here for a number of years, what are the things that you kind of see on the horizon 
for Bidwell and, and kind of where you would like to see it go in yeah. the next five, 10 years? Yeah, this is, I think we're at a really exciting spot right now because I think strategically we're looking at how do we take our programming and what, where are there opportunities to expand? And, and, ex, and, ex, and it's not always necessary to do that, mm. right? Like there are a core group of training programs and we're meant to help people get an entry-level position into a particular field. But there are different ways we can go about doing that. Mm. And I look at using our model in terms of employer partnership to help them develop their existing talent pipeline through incumbent training. Mm. That, that, you know, is a really cool thing. You have a group of people that maybe are um, uh, underemployed that have the potential to be a medical assistant. Maybe they're working in, in a different area of the healthcare mm. mm -hmm. system. Maybe they're in... Uh, facilities or food service or something like that and they want to get into some clinical work mm. rather than recruiting all kind of new people let's provide a pathway for them to train up it they already other. know the employer they already know the lingo exactly yeah, right and 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 if they're valued employees we can build a model where you come to school here x number of days while you're still being paid for work so mm. you can still you know support your um, family and do and what you did do. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, to some degree, it does live it, your life, do, you know, yeah. make your money, but also like, yeah, move yourself up educationally. Absolutely. Yeah. But like formalize it as, yes. as a thing that isn't use kind of struggling against the system to make it work. Right. That is the system. The yeah. system's there to support you. Yeah. And I think that the opportunity for us is to really, um, look at how we're working with employers to help them build their talent pipeline, mm. but not necessarily just having them rely on us to be the feeder to their talent pipeline. You have talented people working for you. Mm. Let's have some conversations about what they want to do and maybe get them into these training programs that could help, you know? Yeah. I mean, what I love about that kind of vision of kind of where it's going to is, you know, we talk so much at here at NBC just generally about, our, our mission of restoring the relationship between peoples and institutions, mm -hmm. that that's really where the hardest work is, but the most necessary work. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting to think about that, that version you just kind of described there is breaking down that barrier between educator and employer mm -hmm. even more, because it's not saying we're only in the business of educating now you know what to do. Go find your employer. Right. And then maybe we'll check in mm -hmm. in five years or if you happen to stop by. But this is really kind of saying like there's an ongoing sort of loop of a relationship mm -hmm. between employer and educator. Yeah. And that's I think that that would be what would be interesting about that, too, though, is I think it would also expose some of those institutional breakdowns and other versions of education and employment and mm -hmm. things like that. And just sort of the marketplace of ideas. Mm -hmm. It, it would just sort of, I think, rise up as a more effective model long term. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that's that's really exciting. Um, when you think back about 
yourself personally now in this role, you know, you mentioned at a much younger age, kind of having that first idea of about helping people mm-hmm. and how education helped that. How, how do you, how do you personally kind of see that narrative line through? Does it feel like a fulfillment now what you're doing to that like earlier version of yourself? A- absolutely. 100%. Mm. You think about your mom a lot. All the time. Uh, with that. Every day. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. What do you, th- what do you think, um, what do you feel like are some of your, your proudest moments in this sort of more high level um, vantage point in a system like this? There are, I, I, there, there are different moments all the time mm. where something as simple as watching a student come in that you've worked with through their entire program, coaching them through mm. and watching them actually get through it and graduating and getting that job, something the commencement ceremonies, absolutely. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. But for me, it's it's anything from working on a grant and getting that, like when we got the Google Chrome, like when we got the Chromebooks. Mm, mm-hmm. That was like a real win. And it was a win for the students to yeah. help bridge that digital divide. So I don't know that there's any one overarching mm. proudest moment. It's just the really, it's like projects have their moments mm. when you think like, wow, this is so cool to be able to do this. Well, and I think I wonder too, if, if another piece of that is your version of leading this school is so different than the president of a college yeah. who's kind of not really seeing the immediate effects of what's happening. You're so in the mix here. Yeah. You know, like we're all in basically one building, yeah. seeing it happen, seeing the faces, and I have to imagine that that's a different experience for somebody who just kind of goes to their office, maybe goes to a board meeting, yeah. mostly talks to high-level deans. Like, we are so much more integrated, you know, into the, the students' lives that yeah. way. And I think, too, um, even just outside of the students, it's the staff I get to work with. Mm. We've got some incredibly talented and passionate people that work here. And I love working with some of the younger staff in their career because I can see how they are the future of Bidwell Training Center. Mm. And I find a tremendous amount of enjoyment and fulfillment in working and, and coaching and mentoring our our younger staff to, mm. mm-hmm. you know, into these roles. Yeah. Um, if you could kind of speak directly to somebody who's you know, we talk about we talk about how Bidwell is for people in transition, mm-hmm. and we don't get super specific about what those transitions are because it's different for right. every every car. If you could kind of speak to somebody in that position about what we could offer them, what would you say to them? Well, we, I just had this conversation. Um, if you're willing to put in the hard work, if you're willing to get your ser- yourself here every day and commit to this program it's the catalyst for some meaningful change in your life. Mm -hmm. And you may think you have a blueprint for life and that just don't be, you would be surprised at at where you could take something Mm -hmm. that's completely unplanned. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. once you get in here, it opens up doors of opportunity that you never expected for yourself. And then for when, when you, when you think about, the students that kind of come through 
what do you think that the struggles are that that are the mo- that are kind of front of mind for a student that anybody who's uh, whether it's an employer or an instructor or another institution like what do you have to be thinking about for this because I think that's one of the things that does set us apart is that we're engaged on these students on such a personal level yeah but what are the things that come up that are the obstacles that that can derail somebody um, a lack of confidence self-confidence mm. because regardless of what type of transition people are in they've been told a story about themselves that it's hard for them to shake yeah and it if you just have to believe in yourself and they've got a team of people that will support them and encourage them and coach them through if you could believe in yourself mm. and i think that I think that's the number one thing. Mm. It's like just I, kind of, is it, is it the overwhelm of kind of life that kind of gets people down mm-hmm. or is it, do you see recurring things that are the same problem for students? Uh, I think there's a variety. I mm. think there are some themes, mm. um, but I think it, it, I think sometimes life is just overwhelming. There's a lot of competing priorities mm. and, lots of obstacles that can derail people and then they get discouraged Mm. or if they've been out of school a long time and they weren't necessarily a super fantastic student when they were in school they're very afraid of failing Mm. so So like easier not to try than to fail type of thing yeah Mm. when you think about the students that that overcome that really break through what do you is there something in common that they have that you can that you see in them in terms of their ability to kind of take advantage of what we're offering them but there's also something within themselves that has to rise to that occasion too yeah it's it's perseverance Mm. it's it's grit it's like i i want to do this Mm. like and i'm doing it Mm. i'm doing it for me i need they are astute enough to know if they could get through the program, it's the catalyst for meaningful change. Mm. It, mm. it breaks a barrier of whatever it is they're trying to move away from, whether it's codependence on a situation, a person, or a thing. It gives them uh, a vehicle to move forward. What are, what are your kind of reflections on your career as an educator and kind of where you're at now, kind of what you've gone through to get there? Are, are there... Are there are there kind of like philosophically poignant moments that you can think about, like uh, experiences you've had or things like that? I, I can honestly say the most rewarding work has been in the vocational career sector. And I've mm. worked for multiple um, schools. But there's there's something about uh, the students who enroll in these programs. And, and again, like I said, that that it's how meaningful it is Mm. that it's not there. I don't think school is a one size fits all model. I think I've learned that every student comes in with a different situation and that as an educator, you have to try your best to, to reach everybody Mm. um, in whatever way you can. And these smaller programs are, are the ones where we have, where I have the ability to make the most meaningful impact with people. Mm. Do you, do you think that it is a, a scale thing that is the biggest problem that we're having culturally, 
things are the, the classrooms are too big the teachers are too detached from their students the, everything is just like yeah there's there's no way that if you have a class a lecture class of 200 students that you can remember a name never mind yeah, yeah right and, like, and and then at that yeah. point you're going to have a ta mm-hmm. so you don't really know if you're teaching you know your teaching assistant's going to know your students mm. i mean these are the in these types of programs the largest class you're ever going to see in one classroom is 20 students right right and and the other thing about this particular model that we have with bidwell is that we're here every day all day mm. so you really get to know the student mm. mm-hmm. that's even different than um other uh, career schools where you might go four days a week, a half day. I mean, we spend a lot of time with the students yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I definitely think that on some of the results speak for themselves too, right? The, 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 yeah. the um, graduation and placement and, mm-hmm. and all of those numbers that kind of get lost as just statistics sometimes. When you really think about the number of lives changed, the trajectories changed, mm-hmm. it's really humbling. Um, to see so well thank you for your work and and for um, what I think has been a really um, reinvigorating period in Bidwell's history is kind of really honing in on on what what's going to make it long-term successful so thank you for sharing with us you're welcome In Earnest is a production of the Manchester Bidwell Corporation. If you found this conversation moving or inspiring, we'd appreciate your support. Your contribution will go directly to continuing this life-changing work. For more information and to donate, visit manchesterbidwell.org.